Hola, and welcome to Latino Book Chat. I am your host, Cristian Meneses Jacobs. We invite you to participate in our conversations with Latino authors, illustrators, and others who share their insights into the book publishing industry. Loren Munoz is a writer, lawyer, and former teacher living in Southern California. She received her Juris Doctor degree from Northwestern University in Chicago. When she's not reading, she can be found knitting, crocheting, and collecting recipes for things she'll never bake. Suddenly a Murder is her debut novel. At the heart of the story is Easy Morales, who joins her best FF, Cassidy, and five friends on a 1920s theme getaway at the glamorous Ashwood Manor to celebrate the end of their high school years. There, the friends party in vintage dresses and expensive diamonds until there is a murder. Now, every party guest is a suspect. Latino Book Chat welcomes Lauren Munoz. Thank you for chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So are you a fan of the Roaring Twenties and the game of Clue? Yeah, I love that <laughs> game. Yeah, I've always loved that. Uh, growing up, I played it a lot. And I, I do love the Twenties. I, I love the detective fiction of the Twenties primarily, but also the clothes and just the historical aspect of that particular time between the two world wars is very interesting. Yeah, because I wanted to find out what inspired you to write a murder mystery set in the 1920s. Yeah, so a few years ago, I was doing a big Agatha Christie reread. And at the same time, uh, I was reading some YA mysteries. And, you know, I've always loved uh, the golden age of detective fiction, it's called. It's the explosion of detective novels uh, in between the two world wars in the 1920s and 1930s. I've always loved the books from that era. and I was just trying to think how I could take so many of the things I loved about those books, you know, the social aspects, the clothes, the, the atmosphere, basically. And how could I make that a contemporary, you know, mystery for YA kids? And that's how Suddenly a Murder became. No, <laughs> yeah, I think that's really cool. You know, I really enjoyed the book. Okay. And it kept me in my tones, like, what is going to happen next? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so are you familiar with this part of history? Or do you have to do some more extra research and find different sources and references? I did do research um, into the into the era, in particular when it came to the clothes and the movies. So, you know, there's the movie uh, that Izzy and her and Cassidy love so much um, that I made up. But I wanted to have a real vibe of, you know, what kind of movies were made, what they look like, uh, the various aspects of them. So did research into, you know, the time period and then read even more um, of the Golden Age, you know, detective uh, mysteries, some of which I hadn't read before, you know, and then... Kind of went from there. I watched some. I also watched some movies that were more modern that had, you know, when they have sort of the budget for costume designers and for historians to be on their film set, you can actually learn quite a bit uh, in these sort of modern interpretations. So I did both. I went back to, you know, original sources, original books, um, and then looked at, you know, some contemporary sources as well. Yeah, and I was wondering about that movie that Easy and Cassie like to watch. And I kept wondering, is that a real movie? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not a real movie. Just... It sounds like it could be real. <laughs> I know, it'd be good. Yeah, no, I, I made it up as sort of, you know, a way of them being bonded and then to kind of parallel the story and also pick up on the melodramatic nature of it. See, when you watch these old films, you know, a lot of what I get from them is is sort of that, you know, melodrama. And it's something that I really like and, you know, kind of wanted to bring to this. 
Well, you did that really well because yeah. I thought that maybe was a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. What are some of the books or authors that inspire you that were, you know, that you were able to, to get the inspiration to write this book? Yeah, you know, I mean, in terms of the older mysteries, you know, there's always always Agatha Christie of it all. Um, you know, she she wrote so many books as part mm -hmm. of it. Something that's interesting about her that I like is that she wrote for so long that she's a real insight into British society um, over a period of decades. Because, you know, we think of them as these period piece books, but at the time they were contemporary. She was writing about the time period. So you know, when she comes out with her first books, it's the 1920s, she's writing about the 1920s. And by the 1960s, she's writing about the 1960s. You know, she wrote for so long that you have this very interesting insight um, into the English culture over there. Um, but, you know, there are others. Uh, Anthony Berkeley is one people don't read as much anymore, but he's he's very funny, very amusing, very clever. I like him. Dorothy Sayers. I love Dorothy Sayers. Um, she's another one that she, she takes a more literary bent towards the time period. But because she does that, her details uh, are often very good. In terms of modern mysteries, in terms of YA contemporary mysteries, was reading uh, Karen McManus, of course, One of Us is Lying, and you know some of her other books. And then Maureen Johnson. I don't know if you've read uh, the Stevie Bell mysteries, but they're really good. Uh, truly mm, Devious okay. is the Truly Devious is the series name. Um, so I really enjoy. It's interesting to see one of the things that's happening uh, that I've noticed is that people are picking up more of this golden age detective style. So when you read like the Agathas, Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson have written these really great mysteries, uh, the Agathas and then the sequel, um, Night in Question. And they, you know, they seed their clues very much like an Agatha Christie mystery. Um, and Maureen Johnson, you know, very much does the same thing too. So that's something I really like about what's going on in YA mystery right now is how much it is reminiscent of these older, you know, these older books and the older structure of puzzle mysteries that I really love. My youngest daughter loves the Agatha Christie books. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And every time there's a movie, you know, we have to go see it with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This summer we saw one of them. Thing was like it the haunting, of Venice, the haunting, haunting of, Venice? of Venice? The Haunting of Venice. That's what yeah. it was. The Haunting okay. yeah, of yeah, Venice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen I that it was one something yet. Italy. I, yeah, it was Italy. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen that one. I've seen the other ones um, that he's done. So, yeah, it's, you know, that's the other thing about her being so popular is you get these periods in which she's adapted uh, so many different, so many different wonderful adaptations of her. So. Yeah, and it's really amazing that, you know, even though she wrote so many decades ago, mm -hmm. we still enjoy her mm -hmm. mystery novels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's partly because she was really psychologically insightful. A lot of the things that she focused on in terms of her, you know, motives and the psychology of her characters are very much, you know, humans all the time, uh, not just in the period. Uh, so, you know, they're very much things that human nature has, you know, in common. Um, so yeah. It's very, very relatable, I think. Oh, yes, that's definitely true. You know, you have a Juris Doctor degree. You're a lawyer. Mm -hmm. When did you find out you wanted to be a writer? So I, I really liked writing when I was young. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in elementary school, we had this great librarian who, you know, if you wanted to, you could write a little story, do some illustrations, and she would bind, like laminate your book and bind it for you and create a little author bio. Oh, and I love that so much. So cool. I, it really is. Yeah. And I still have the original versions of oh, wow. all of my little books. Yeah. And so I remember loving 
having those little, you know, having those books. Uh, and so I really liked writing when I was young. You know, I would write sometimes and tell my friends. I lived in Puerto Rico for a little bit and it was a long time to get to school. So we took this little van to get to school and I would write these stories and tell my friends <laughs> the little stories <laughs> um, on the way. And then I didn't write for a long time, actually. And yeah. I, you know, did other things. I played soccer in high school and, you know, had some other interests. And it wasn't until I was leaving law school, really, that I had started thinking about it again and wishing that I'd kind of pursued that more and a little bit earlier. And so I just started doing it. I was like, well, no reason I can't write a book while, I, you know, in between. <laughs> um, this was the one that got the agent, you know, it's how it works. I've got probably, gosh, four other manuscripts that didn't. And uh, so then a few years back, I sent this one out. And there you go. Wow, that is that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take you to write this book? Six months. Uh, the first draft was six months. Were you it, working like nonstop for six months? No, no, I wasn't. In fact, no. I moved. I was moving. Um, it was the first. It was like the first year of the pandemic. So, uh, so no, it wasn't constant. It was. I mean, it was most days I would write something on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, except during the actual move itself. But yeah, so it was six months. But then, you know, then I got an agent and we did one little round of revisions. It wasn't much. And then it sold. And then I started the revisions with uh, the editor, uh, my editor, who's wonderful. So all in all, you know, I sent this book out in early 2021, mm -hmm. got the agent in, I think, August of 2021. And then it got published almost two years later. So it's a, it's a process. It's a long yeah, process. Yeah. This year it got published, right? It did. Yeah. It got published uh, early September. So mm -hmm. yeah. So Oh, from, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it takes six months to do the first draft maybe, but, uh, you know, it takes another two years to get it out. So <laughs> I know that's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, you alternate between the present and the past. And sometimes even like six months ago, you know, I was reading some of the chapters. Mm -hmm. So tell us about why you decided to write the novel like that. I actually didn't. Um, the first version of this I did was all all present, mm -hmm. and I didn't have the flashbacks. So it was my editor who suggested that. Um, he thought that it would amp up the characterization, uh, which is something that they care a lot more about in YA than they do sort of in the old mysteries, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that Agatha Christie and some of her authors of that time, one of the reasons they can trick you so easily mm -hmm. is, yes. that, <laughs> is that their their characters are often not fully fleshed out, right? They're interesting. They've got their own aspects to them, but they are kind of almost hidden behind. You don't know them, right? You're not inside their heads. Uh, you don't learn tons about them. You might know what they are, what their motive is, um, but a lot of times you don't know them really intimately. And what that allows the author to do is to is to keep you from knowing too much about them, right? Because if you learn too much about a character and you get too much insight, it becomes a lot easier to guess whether mm -hmm. they did it or not. Um, so YA is actually one of those interesting sort of tricky to write mysteries because the genre demands, and actually it's more modern than, it's not just YA, modern era prefers characterization to be uh, more in depth, more psychologically interesting. So so he suggested the flashbacks um, as giving some of that. And I loved writing them. It was I, it was wonderful because, you know, I'd had all these things in my head about the characters that I didn't want to put on the page uh, to give too much away. Um, and so that allowed me to do it. And I think that 
the other thing I like about the structure is that it allowed me to get their motives out there more. So each flashback chapter really presents the reader with a motive for one of the suspects um, and then flashes back to the present. So I think it was a great suggestion of his because I think it allowed you, you know, it allows people to, you know, wonder a little bit more about each character and learn a little bit more about their potential reason for killing Blaine. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that worked perfectly. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I really like getting to know the characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, in that way, you know, mm -hmm. with the flashbacks, I think it works excellent. And they're fascinating. And they all have like a motive, like you said, and then you keep wondering who did it. Mm -hmm. So how do you create these characters and the secrets that they keep? Are they based on people you know, or just came out of your imagination? Tell us about them. Yeah, I would say they came out of my imagination. I, I would say they I developed the main, the main, you know, character sort of first. And the detective. Um, I had that sort of rolling around in my head and I didn't plan, you know, every single thing out. Um, I don't tend to do that. So I started more thinking about the friendship at the center of the relationship, the center of the book, and then sort of how they were, who was going to be dating who and, you know, what their uh, romantic relationships were going to be like um, and the love interests and things like that. And then I just started thinking how they revolved around each other. They just kind of, you know, they start, they, they come to you as you start writing. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes you write little scenes. And I found at least in the brainstorming part of the books, the scenes come to you separately. Um, and so you might just be like walking around, <laughs> you know, or doing chores in the house and a scene will hit you. And that kind of stuff, when it happens often enough, you do start to get a sense of the characters and how they're going to fit into the story and, you know, how they're going to be different from each other, but also how they all all relate to each other. So. They're all very interesting characters, quite a joy to read about them and what they're doing. So I was wondering about the plot because there are a lot of twists mm -hmm. and turns in the story. How do you plot the story like that? Do you start with the ending in mind or at the beginning or do you ch change it along the way? Yeah, so I do know the ending. Um, so I'm not, mm -hmm. a, you know, not a huge, huge plotter in terms of um, knowing every single little piece, mm -hmm. but I do definitely know the ending in how, how I'm, in terms of how I'm going to get there. Uh, not, you know, not always as much, um, but I don't know. I think being a lawyer is a little bit helpful. I think the skill set that helped me in law school is something similar that helps me here, which is keeping in, I can keep a lot of things in mind um, in terms of things re relate to each other. So as I write, I can keep all the different strands in my mind. Uh, and so I don't really, so I didn't really have to sort of like plot out every little moment because as I wrote it, I kind of wrapped it around each other. Now, one thing that does happen and did happen, and it's actually one of my favorite parts of writing is that sometimes I will get stuck. So I'll, <laughs> I'll write myself into a corner uh, with somebody's, you know, motive, or I'll realize that this one twist, you know, doesn't quite work as I had it in my head or I've missed some, you know, it's some logical issue. And then I have to find a way to adjust it that will make sense with the rest of the book so I don't have to rewrite everything. And that's a lot of fun. Um, it feels like <laughs> puzzle solving. And yeah. you get a lot of great ideas from that. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, actually, the idea that you come up with when you mess up or write yourself into that corner is better than the one you thought of originally. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have the stories in mind and I have the motives in mind. Um, but in terms of you know, how it all comes out. I just, I hold it in my head and try to come up with dynamic scenarios uh, that wrap around what I've got in my head. Oh, wow. Because I have to say that ending was, 
I did not see it coming. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's the, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was very surprised. I'm like, what? Wait a second. So I had to go back and read it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. You, I did not see that coming. So it's quite a surprise. It really oh, is quite the surprise. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's part. Of, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, one, I understand why people really like writing these mysteries because misdirection is like the most fun thing to do because you're basically coming up. It's a, there's this idea that any given fact can have a lot of different interpretations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you think of one fact. I get to think of two stories. I get to think of the story of how to present it to the reader in a way that will make them think one thing while another thing is going on. So I get to see the two strains of two different storylines playing out at the same time. So it's it's a lot of fun to write. <laughs> that is, you 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 did really well. I'm impressed. You know, and it only took you six months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's editing too. I mean, it, yeah. You know, takes the yeah. I, I mean, I wrote all those flashbacks were in editing, so that was another you know few months. But yeah. <laughs> wow, that is so crazy. Um, I was wondering, you know, what are some of the themes or messages that you want to convey with your book? Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a real message person. In terms of what I'd like to convey, I mean, I hope I convey basically what I want more is the an impact. And the impact I want is for people to go back and read these original stories. Mm-hmm. I want people to go back to the golden age and see how wonderful, you know, some of these stories are crafted. So, you know, everybody does know, you know, Agatha Christie, and she definitely wrote, you know, wonderful mysteries, but she's not the only one. There are a lot of really great authors from the period that wrote really interesting, interesting mysteries. And the thing is, is that before that, people didn't really write mystery novels. So even when you go back to, you know, like a Sherlock Holmes, uh, or some of the early pulp detective Mm -hmm. stuff, a lot of it is short stories, uh, novellas, that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, mystery novels didn't really get started until the golden age. And uh, yeah, so that's why a lot of them are, you know, these are people who are establishing all of the norms that people used for you know, a very long time. And they were very focused on, a lot of them early on at least, were very focused on the puzzle of it all. Um, so you have these people who are writing these really clever and crafty puzzles, which is what I like I like best. So I would hope that people will read this and the atmosphere and think about going back to the originals. Yes, yes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes is another one that my youngest daughter loves too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think she likes the idea of the puzzles and mm-hmm. to solve the mystery. Yeah, yeah that, that that's a good one too. Yeah. You know, do you think people would think as they're reading that the uh, the book is also based on the game Clue? I've seen that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would never have thought about that, but I absolutely have seen that, and that makes sense. I think it was in vogue for a long time for people to play basically play murder at uh, social events, at hotels, and at houses and things like that. And somebody saw how much fun everybody had, you know, with these murder mystery parties and uh, came up with the game, I believe is how it happened. So it does make sense to me that, you know, people would read a book uh, where there's Mm -hmm. a party um, and everybody dressed, you know, very old school and everybody a suspect um, with, you know, people trying to figure out what's going on, you know, kind of the main character and uh, the detectives trying to figure out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, it's like, oh, we're playing Clue here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It it was so much fun. I keep thinking, okay, this one is the suspect. This one definitely did it, you know? Yeah. "Yeah, Maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So you want to tell us a little bit about the characters? Well, so they all attend or attended. They're basically graduating. So it's a graduation party 
mm-hmm. um, is what they're you know doing. They're having this graduation party on this uh, this estate, old estate from the 1920s on this private island off the coast of Maine. And so for the most part, these are prep school kids and they attend a private academy. They're graduating and a variety of types of kids, theater kids, athletes, journalists, you know, people working on the newspaper, all pretty sort of hardworking and ambitious. You know, that's kind of something that a lot of them have in common. A lot of them headed to good schools. You know, they have all those kind of academic opportunities. Um, And then the main character, her mom is a teacher at the uh, academy. So she gets to go there, you know, on scholarship, basically, uh, because, you know, her mom's an employee. She's not in the same economic class as her friends are. And she's very aware of that. And has been, you know, for her entire sort of, you know, academic career. And, uh, you know, she's aware of why she's there and, you know, all of the things that separate her um, from her other classmates. So, you know, she's kind of on this trip because she's, you know, best friends with the girl, you know, throwing the big party. Yeah, that's, uh, it seems that they have been friends for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think Cassie likes Izzy a lot because she's very honest and sincere and doesn't just like Cassie because of her money, but because of who she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that you get in that sort of situation where you're never sure, you know, who likes you for you um, when you have that kind of, you know, wealth and status. And she just, she also isn't, she's also not snooty. You know, mm-hmm. she's not a snooty person where she cares about that herself. I mean, she enjoys the benefits of wealth, as I think wealthy people tend to do, but she's not a person who cares about that in her friends or thinks that that's like, you know, makes somebody better than anybody else. Yeah. And I think that's why Easy likes her a lot, mm-hmm. too, because mm-hmm. it, that kind of wealth hasn't gone to her mm-hmm. head, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Like you say, she's not snooty about it. She's more mm-hmm. a, of a real person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems to me like she's very caring, too. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like she cares about others. Yeah, yeah she does. She's very outward focused um, mm-hmm. in that way about how whether she's one of the detectives, you know, talks about like, yeah, she definitely cares about her friends and she cares about her boyfriend. She cares about, you know, everybody involved and sort of how they're perceiving, you know, what she's doing and things like that. So she's definitely not, you know, selfish in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I like about the characters. Uh, their friendship is real. Mm-hmm. It's a real friendship. Like they really love each other and yeah. care for each other. Yeah. And that's something mm-hmm. that I like in books and media generally. Um, it's something that's an interest of mine in particular and probably see in future books as well, that dynamic, because uh, it's one that I really am interested in and like in books myself. So um, it's something that I really like writing. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so you have something to read for us, right? Yes. Yeah. And tell us about that, what you're going to read about. Yeah, so um, it's going to be from the prologue. And they're already at the manor. The friends are, you know, already at the manor having their party. And Izzy is in Blaine's bedroom with a knife. And that is the scene of the prologue to start the book. Blaine's eyes are closed. His head tipped up to the water as it cascades down with the delicate patter typical of old houses quiet contrast to the thumping plumbing in the walls. It's a soothing sound, like spring rain, and I briefly flash back to the day before prom, when Blaine danced in my apartment building's courtyard during a storm, while my family and I laughed from the sidewalk. He looked vulnerable and young then, just as he does now, standing naked and defenseless in the shower. I've been waiting for this moment, obsessing over the details in my head for days. But as Blaine runs his hands through his ginger hair, slowly pushing a stream of water off his forehead and down his freckled back, a burning guilt spreads through my arms, almost making me drop the knife. Blaine doesn't deserve this. Not really. 
but neither do I, and I can't sit back and let him destroy my life. I grip the knife tighter and step through the doorway. <laughs> it makes you wonder from the very beginning. <laughs> yep. It what really is she does. Doing? Like, oh my God, please don't. <laughs> Crazy girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that, that is awesome. I love that part. Because that's exactly, you know, where I was like, hmm, I got curious and interested. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Some people don't like prologues. You hear it a lot in the reading community. I love prologues. I think it gives a little taste of where the book is headed, especially with mysteries and thrillers and stuff, um, and gives you a sense of atmosphere and style of someone. So I've always been a fan. So can we expect more books from you in this genre or do you have other plans? Yeah, no, no. I would this genre. I'm uh, working on a project now. It's uh, yeah, YA mystery and I expect to do more in the future. So I really like this genre. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Everybody loves a good mystery. The book is Suddenly a Murder by Lauren Munoz. If you follow Latino Book Chat on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, please support the show by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform. Your support allows us to continue bringing to you a variety of books from amazing Latinx authors. And if you want to win a copy of Suddenly a Murder, please subscribe and send me a screenshot of your subscription. Lauren Munoz, thank you so much for chatting with us today on Latino Book Chat. Oh, It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at latinobookchat.com. Please subscribe on your favorite platform. Whatever you're listening to us today, please give us a positive review and as many stars as possible. Sharing the show will help it grow and continue to come to you. Thank you for your support. Hasta pronto. Latino Book Chat is a production of Nicagal Media. Today's episode was hosted, produced, and edited by Christian Meneses Jacobs.